the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on am860theanswer.com. And you can reach us live through the station website and click listen live if you have a computer with a with a speaker or a headset or something hooked up to it. You can listen to me anywhere in the world, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday morning, and also drbillradiomd.com. You can click listen live there. And we're happy to have you on the show. I appreciate everybody. You make my Sunday mornings, you and my man Bill, at the other end of the, of the microphone here. And we're going to talk about uh, some medieval and herbal remedies with Dr. Sherry Torkus in just a few minutes. First, I wanted to give a little bit of uh, uh, thought, a few thoughts on the Congress's attempt, on the House's attempt to obtain President Trump's tax returns. Now, the House does have the legal authority to subpoena tax returns. However, uh, if they subpoena an individual person's tax returns, even the president's, then they're obliged to only see that in closed session and it cannot be revealed to the public. Well, you know what's going to happen. Somebody will leak it out. And we were talking before the show, Bill and I, about what the upshot of this is. And obviously the president's not in any legal trouble, but certainly a man who or a person who is that um, that involved in so many different limited partnerships and businesses will have a very complex tax return and there'll be uh, penalties and refunds and all kinds of things that can be pointed to as uh, uh, incriminating evidence that he's not honest and all that sort of stuff. So now the president's fighting back and I'm, I'm all for that. I think that it's about time that he stood up and used his, uh, his powers to stand up to the House of Representatives. This is nonsense. Uh, you know, the man is being chased all over the place, and uh, he's the chief officer, chief executive officer of the country. Leave the guy alone. But the scope of the investigation will have to be limited, and I'm not sure that they'll be able to get returns from before he was president. They may be able to get returns from when he was president, uh, but uh, I, I don't know that the subpoena 
uh, and the ability to subpoena witnesses and documents is uh, a little bit of a gray area. And I'm guessing that since the president is going to fight this and refuse to to uh, allow his tax returns to be uh, handed over to the to the House, that this will go to court and that it will eventually end up at the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court's always reluctant to get into fights between the executive and legislative branch. Obviously, they they want to maintain their purity, so to speak. But you can bet your little blue booties that the liberals on the court are going to want to take it up. So the conservatives are going to have to step in and and, uh, do their part. It'll probably be some kind of a split decision that uh, they can see certain things, but blah, 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 blah. And it should be uh, something that will be drug out past the 2020 elections, hopefully, because that will be the uh, the the reason for this is to have some kind of uh, dirt to spread around about the president. And uh, I don't know which way it will go, but the... Freedom of Information Act uh, does allow some things to be released, but certainly not individual returns. And uh, this is a non-IRS matter. So even then, the president will have to authorize the agents, the IRS agents, who will present this and swear it into testimony before the House. He'll have to authorize that they can do that. Now, I don't know if, if you can say yes my tax returns can be released, but no, I won't let anybody that's working for me, which the IRS does, it works for the president, it's under his jurisdiction, but I won't let anybody come and and present this information to you. So it's a, it's a gray area. And of course, the IRS guys, they can't reveal anything. They'll go to jail without authorization, without proper authorization. So the demands and the screening and the inspections and all of this that the House wants to do and will have to go through will be litigated. Uh, Hopefully this will go on for a few years and we'll get past the 2020 election. And this will certainly uh, take a little bit of the steam out of the engine of the Democrats who are trying to make this president into something that he is not. I, uh, I am happy to see, and I heard one of the uh, Republicans on the House committee that's looking at all this say that it will come back around and bite the Democrats in the butt, as I have been saying for a few years now, and that people will go to jail, and that it's a it's a psychological trick called projection. So if you're angry at somebody, you project that onto them and say, you're angry at me. So if you're dishonest and uh, colluding with the Russians, as Hillary and the DNC did, then you'll say, well, <laughs> Trump colluded with the Russians, and he's a criminal, and blah, blah, blah. And so all of this is going to come back around and, and get him. Now, my friend Al, he keeps saying he cannot die until Hillary spends at least one night in jail. So, um, and. We certainly don't want Al to live forever, so we, we got to see what we can do to get Hillary behind bars, at least for a night or two. It, it wouldn't hurt anything, at least to get her in and processed, you know, get her fingerprints, get her mugshot. Oh, my God, I'd love it. Pull her out in the middle of the night like uh, Mueller did to some of the people he uh, went after. And 
you know, the Mueller investigation would have gone on had it not been for pressure from uh, outside sources to end it because there was nothing there. He wanted to drag it on to 2020 through the election. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, let's talk about Sherry Torkus. Dr. Sherry, are you with me? Hi, good morning. This is Sherry. I'm a pharmacist, actually, not a medical doctor, so I just thought I'd mention that. I know that, but you, I can still call you a doc, can I? <laughs> well, I, I'm not a doctor, though. I am a pharmacist. So my, my degree is actually a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy degree. So I went to school before they were really into the PharmD degree. So I graduated back in 1992. And, um, yeah, I practice pharmacy with a holistic-type focus. And I've uh, written a number of health books on, on health and prevention. Uh, you're a Canuck, is that I, right? Yes. Did, did you catch that? <laughs> I did, eh? Uh, a. Well, I lost <laughs> that when I went to pharmacy school, and I'm, I'm very cognizant of that. But I live right across from the border of Buffalo, New York. I live in the Niagara region. I did my degree, as I mentioned, in, um, in Philadelphia. And I've been practicing pharmacy now for over 25 years with uh, a, f- a focus on, on health prevention. I, I like to use a lot of lifestyle strategies, foods as medicine, and sometimes we have to use the regular medicines as well. So that's a type of uh, practice that I'm engaged in. How about that uh, Niagara uh, Claret, that, that fine wine that's being made up in your neck of the woods? We you... do have some very fine wine here, absolutely. Uh, Actually, Niagara, which is the Niagara region, which is part of where I live, we have um, some wines that are now getting international recognition. Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? You wouldn't. It not is surprising. Think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't think. Yeah, I guess the soil's great there because you know the glaciers rolled over there, and the Niagara Escarpment, and all the nice limestone, and all the good minerals, and all that. That should be good for your business too. Yeah, it is, definitely, and uh, we've seen just a huge boom in, in the wine industry and also people making products out of grapes, like grape seed powders and grape extracts and things like that. So it's it's been good, definitely, for our economy. Now, are you doing research uh, as well as, as practicing, or is are you, are you doing just more kind of clinical-type uh, work? Yeah, I do more um, work uh, actually part-time as a pharmacist. Uh, Since I had my son a few years ago, I have segued from a full-time practice to just part-time. But I do also uh, a lot of writing with different uh, magazines, and I do a lot of interviews on health matters. I have a blog on my website that I, you know, write about things that are topical, um, interesting, seasonal things that are going on with health and nutrition and medicine. You know, right now, the big discussion that um, you know I'm I'm trying to engage with people about is how we can use some of the remedies that uh, were popular even in medieval times to help protect us against uh, some of the health threats that we face today in modern times. Even though I'm a pharmacist and I definitely see the value in prescription drugs, I'm also one to advocate for only using them when absolutely necessary, especially things like antibiotics and trying to uh, keep yourself healthy uh, through, you know, the right, eating the right foods, you know, living the lifestyle and sometimes using supplements as a preventative way. Well, I certainly agree with you that we have to be judicious in our use of antibiotics, but also don't want to see us go the way of the pediatricians and a lot of the Canadian family practitioners 
who don't want to prescribe antibiotics for anything because I'm seeing kids coming in from Canada and from other parts of the country on vacation since we advertised for vacation people to come into the practice and you know they got an earache and the, nobody wanted to treat them the part the pediatrician in the united states or the family practitioner or pediatrician in canada didn't want to give them antibiotics what's wrong with this i mean this is craziness uh you, you got to give an infected ear middle ear infection an antibiotic in my humble opinion Right, and and I think you know that that is a challenge. And um, a lot of ear infections, as you know, they can be viral. Um, some are bacterial, but for sure, if there's a bacterial infection, whether we're talking ears or throat or um, respiratory system, we need to use antibiotics. Um, I think the reason there's more caution in using antibiotics here in Canada, and you know, I'm also hearing a lot in the United States, is because of the risk of resistance and the whole superbug crisis and I know from working as a pharmacist on the front lines, you know, I'll talk to patients when they come in and they have just a basic cold, congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and sometimes people don't want to let it just run its course, you know, stay home, rest, chicken soup, all of that stuff. They want, you know, an antibiotic. They think it's going to make them feel better. And, um, of course, you know, using antibiotics for viral infections, um, you know, works against us in a lot of ways because, it is leading and contributing to this problem where we have um, resistance with the antibiotics. And so, you know, for sure, if somebody, again, has a bacterial infection, I believe wholeheartedly they should take their antibiotic, and I always tell them to take the full course and, you know, how to take it properly, all of that good stuff. But um, if you have a cold or, you know, another type of viral infection, that's where you really want to stay away from the antibiotics. Well, the problem you run into is... uh although you can occasionally say this is definitively a virus, you can't always differentiate upper respiratory tract infections, uh, bacterial versus viral. And the little uh, in-office kits test for influenza and strep, uh, but they don't check for hemophilus or for pneumococcal pneumonia. And and, uh, there are a number of common bacterial infections, especially in kids, that cause otitis media and uh, Campylobacter and a few others. Um, but uh, Like Homophilus is one that you mentioned, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, You know, I don't know how. Yep. What, are you, what are you going to do? You look in a near and you see it's red-hot drum and you see yep. uh, fluid behind the drum. Are you going to say this is a virus? I'm not going to treat it? Nah, that's crazy. Yeah, you yeah no, I, I agree with you there. When it comes to ear infections, too, mm-hmm. because if they go untreated, there can be damage, right? So yeah, um, with an yes. ear infection, sometimes, you know, you've got to give that, you know, get on it right away. And if I always tell people if it's not, you know, resolving in like one or two days, it's getting worse, you know, there's, you know, significant pain, fever, et cetera, you definitely got to get in there and see your doctor and um, maybe a prescription eardrop or antibiotic is necessary for sure. Yeah, and, you know, part of the problem I have with the minimalist approach to medicine, and I'm not I'm not pointing a finger at you, I'm just saying in general uh, that's the trend, uh, is that it, it tends to downplay important things like immunizations, and people say, well, I don't need the measles immunization. And, and although 90% of the people who get measles as adults are going to come through it okay, there's going to be a small percentage of people with chronic problems, encephalitis, and brain damage. And then who takes care of these people? Well, it's you and me. It's our tax dollars mm-hmm. that ultimately take care of them. 
So I think it's important not to be too minimalist and to say that here's something that is important that you you need right. to get a serous otitis media treated, especially in your kids, as soon as possible. You need to get them immunized. I mean, there's just certain things that we need to do. Right. And 100%. we need to take advantage of all of this technology and pharmacology and biochemistry. And use the best of have. both worlds, really. That, that's what I encourage people is the best of both worlds. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we are seeing vaccination rates go down um, with influenza and, and measles and all of these other things that, um, you know, especially with measles is otherwise, you know, had it's making a resurgence. So, yeah, I agree with you. We, we have to not um, neglect the wisdom we have with modern medicine. My approach, again, is more of integrative, using the best of both worlds. So, you know, I, people take their medications when necessary. Sometimes they can do some things with the lifestyle approaches, reducing stress, eating better for immune system support. You know, I always talk to people about trying to get your nutrients through food, but sometimes we need to take some additional things, maybe some extra vitamin C. Vitamin D is helpful for the immune system. Silver, which is one of the, you know, most powerful natural antibiotics. That's actually one of my middle-aged medicine favorites. It's been around for centuries and, you know, has been validated through thousands of studies and shown to offer some benefits as well to help with immune system support and, um, and a variety of other things. Yeah, and we, we know that uh, the heavy metals, uh, uh, some of them are very, very helpful in fighting viruses. The Zycam, for instance, which is just zinc, uh, mm-hmm. has had a lot of popularity. I think there were some people that sued over some nasal problems with it, but certainly the Zycam, uh, the zinc and the Zycam, does interfere with viral reproduction and can slow down and help uh, ameliorate and shorten the length of a, of a viral upper respiratory tract infection. So I don't think there's any doubt about that. And even some of the early uh, attempts to cure, like uh, syphilis and other bacterial infections, involved using systemic uh, heavy metals like mercury. So um, uh, there's no doubt that 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 they have a place and uh, it's just a, a matter of where are we going to put them in there and how are we going to use them? And I guess you have some ideas for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with the, along the lines of the, um, you know, some of these natural elements and the, and the minerals, uh, the metals, um, silver, which I find fascinating how it's been used um, going back to ancient Greek and Roman times where those that were wealthy were drinking out of silver flasks and, you know, born with the silver spoon in their mouth, uh, the wealthier cultures actually benefited from some of the natural uh, properties of silver and its ability to repel bacterial, viral, fungal infections. And um, it's been, used, you know, really a long history of use, even back in Hippocrates' time, they, you know, used silver um, to treat um, skin infections for immune system issues. And then fast forward, you know, centuries later, and we're still using silver. It's, you know, first line and standard of care and burn treatment centers. The um, sulfur sulfadiazine, they apply topically. Infants often get silver put, um, put it on their eyes after they're born. We use silver nitrate in medicine and um, colloidal silver in um, in liquid form and also in sprays. Um, there's a sovereign silver, which is a um, it's a very powerful form of what they call bioactive silver hydrosol. 
the silver, um, the sovereign silver is used for immune system support because there's good evidence that you know it can really make a big difference in terms of helping to fight off infections. People will use um, silver, as I mentioned, topically for burns, but not just serious second-degree burns, but minor burns. It can be very helpful. Insect bites, rashes. It's anti-inflammatory, and again, has pretty broad-ranging properties. So that's one of my favorite old-time remedies that's you know really still popular today. And we don't see the resistance with silver. It's there's um, no evidence that it can cause um, any type of resistance. So if people are, are using the silver, you know, for, say for daily immune support, there's no downside with respect to it um, causing any type of resistance in the system. Well, the resistance, it would have to be an organic molecule, that, and that's a, that's a heavy metal. So uh, you can't build up resistance to uh, an, an element. I mean, you can... Right. You can, you can, you're, I guess you could figure out a way, the cells could figure out a way to spit it out, but uh, that would be tough to do once it's in. It's, uh, it, it locks in pretty tight. Um, and so. then the key thing, too, with silver is to take the right form because I, I you know, I've heard, you know, years ago mm-hmm. issues where people were making their own homemade silver cocktails. And, you know, you can run into some trouble if you're, you know, taking it in super high concentration. So that's why, I'll I'll encourage people to use the bioactive silver hydrosol because it enters the system. It's safely eliminated. Within 24 hours, there's no buildup in your system, um, no toxicity, and that's that's a really important thing. When you're taking any kind of a product, whether it's a drug or a natural product, you want to make sure that you're taking um, it in its safest form and so that you're not running the risk of, of, you know, potential downside there. Yeah, and I think that people need to remember that heavy metals are are poisonous to organic carbon-based life forms, that being us, and that uh, we have to be very careful. And although our body does use trace amounts of uh, several heavy metals, including copper and zinc, uh, we are very judicious, our biochemistry is, and probably one of the largest molecules in the body is the hemoglobin molecule, which holds on to one iron, and uh, it's a huge molecule relative to the size of the iron atom that's in it. And the whole purpose of it is to transfer uh, electrons back and forth so that we can exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. And when the red blood cells do break down, when they're destroyed by uh, by the cells in the liver and the spleen, the iron is carefully handed off to carrier molecules which then are carried back to the bone marrow where it can be reprocessed but it's it's probably one of the most complex biochemical uh, chains in in the body and that's just to handle iron because it is so toxic mm-hmm. it's fascinating how the human body does that and not only fascinating but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's scientifically unique I mean I, I just I love it. it it's fun to talk about and uh, I think that we have to be careful, though, when we use heavy metals. And as you have pointed out, make sure that you use the silver preparations in the right form. The topicals are not going to be absorbed enough to cause any problems. Right. And it's like yeah, the when zinc. It comes to, yeah, when it comes to um, the oral forms of silver, I would only recommend the bioactive silver hydrosol just because it, it has good documentation on safety and efficacy. And it's also in a um, stable form in, in glass bottles, which protect it. 
um, because there's, there can be, if it's in plastic, there can be chemicals uh, that leach into the solution that can impact um, the silver and how it works and also what you may be getting out of it. So um, pharmaceutical grade is really important. Um, I know with uh, the bioactive silver hydrosol, it, the two ingredients are the silver ions and pharmaceutical grade water. And just I think, you know, it's the, the level of um, preparation, the quality is really important when we're looking at taking some of these products, you know, therapeutically. Um, and now what are your applications? What do you use this for? What what disease processes would you use the silver hydrosol for? Yeah, so I use the um, recommend the silver hydrosol for immune system support. So you know when we're in the cough and cold season and there are a lot of circulating viruses, you know it has been shown to have some pretty broad spectrum antiviral effects. Um, so I use it for you know, optimizing immune protection during cough and cold season. There's a spray and there's a dropper form of it as well. And then there's a, a liquid you can take, you know, a teaspoon once or twice daily. There's also a topical first aid gel. With my son, he's always seeming to getting, getting into things, you know, cuts and scrapes and nicks. Um, or myself, if I burned my hand on the um, oven, um, the silver really works quickly. It provides not only um, the antibacterial properties for the skin, so helping to fight infection, but it's good for speeding healing, reducing scarring. Um, people can use the, um, the topical um, bioactive silver hydrosol on their face as well. It's, it's effective for acne, if you have any boils on your skin, um, blisters, different types of blisters that can be very effective, razor burn even, you know, minor sunburn, things like that. So it's, um, it's something handy to have in the medicine cabinet for when the, you know, issue arises. Well, it sounds like it's fairly broad spectrum. Now, the, uh, the uh, oral liquid, uh, I think one of the problems you're going to run into is, in the United States anyway, because we're not as smart as the Canadians, is that... Uh, we may want to take extra thinking a little bit more is, is, is going to be stronger. So when we do use these things, I think we have to be very, uh, very direct with the patients and say, don't take too much or you're going to drop dead or whatever, it's, you know, it does. Too. Well, yeah, with a lot of things that, you know, there more is not always better. You want to just be taking an amount that, you know, has been shown to be beneficial. And, and that can, you know, you get into issues where there are other types of silver products out there that they play a bit of a numbers game. They make it sound like their product has a stronger concentration and therefore is more active. But it's actually, from what I understand, it's the size, the particle size of the silver, which gives it the efficacy, the greater surface area, the more bioactivity, and the one that that I recommend that sovereign silver, it's it's over 98% bioactive silver ions, and mm. so you don't need a super high concentration. What you need is is that bioactivity, the very it's, it's such, such fine particle size that you can only see it with a special um, microscope. So super cool. tiny particle size, greater surface area, greater surface area, it's greater ability to um, fight off different. Um, infectious agents. So when, when it comes to bacteria or fungus, you know, silver, generally speaking, it helps to um, make the cell walls leaky. Um, so it's really, it's deadly to the bacteria, but safe for humans. Sherry, I, I wanted to tell you, I, I think I have a recommendation on how you can prevent uh, burning yourself on the, on the stove in the oven, if you want it. Aside from using proper oven mitts? <laughs> no, let your spouse do the cooking. 
Yes. Well, you know what? Whenever I can, I do enlist his help. Oh, but for some reason, thing. Mummy always does most of the cooking in the house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's the way. To, that's the best way to take care of it. All right. So the silver, I think we've we've talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. What other what other natural products do you uh, do you recommend that that you think are bioactive and helpful in in preventing and curing infections in humans? Well, you know, there's there's a lot of um, <clears throat> Uh, remedies that I, I recommend as part of my practice, but two of the other ones um, that are more of like the medieval remedies that um, I think are interesting because they continue to be used today and actually are now backed up by modern science. One of the big ones would be turmeric um, and the active um, ingredient, which is um, curcumin. Um, very, very powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Um, you know, some evidence shows that it can actually be comparable to some of the you know over-the-counter on non-steroidal medications, and there's just a ton of research that's been going on with turmeric and curcumin over the past few decades. But, you know, if you go back to the Middle Ages, turmeric was used for treating things like pain and inflammation. It was also used for immune system support. And um, now today we have, you know, literally thousands of studies that have looked at this, you know, from in vitro test tube studies to animal studies to human studies, showing that this can be a very powerful natural agent um, for curing a lot of, well, not, I won't say curing, for treating a lot of things that ail people today. Um, turmeric, I love using turmeric in, when I'm cooking, I love putting it into, I love to make my own homemade curry dishes and I'll put it in soups and stews, but it's, it's you know, also great. You can take it in uh, tea form. I make a, a turmeric ginger latte, which is really tasty, and uh, it also helps with digestion as well. And uh, you can take turmeric in supplement form too. Very good. Now, the, uh, the, the turmeric is, uh, I guess that's an Asian, originally an Asian uh, herb, I don't, I don't think it was native to the Europeans, was it? No, it was more native to Asia and um, probably one of the most widely used um, spices um, in the Indian culture. Um, it's also used in Ayurvedic um, Indian medicine as well, very popularly used for that. Problem with, uh, with the curry dishes in, in the United States is they're not very popular. They're gaining popularity as we have an increasingly uh, large or a growing population of uh, Asian Indians uh, who have immigrated to in our second and third generation. And, but, uh, and I love curried dishes. Uh, we have, or at least we did have a chef at the hospital who cooked curried dishes. He retired, unfortunately. And a lot of the uh, Indian doctors would come to lunch at the hospital just because he made curried dishes. I don't know that it, that eating a curry dish has made me any healthier, but it certainly is tasty, and I enjoy it. It is tasty. Yeah, I, I always, you know, when I make a, a nice curry dish, I'll use a lot of um, uh, turmeric, either the fresh or the powdered, and some fresh ginger and garlic, and then add some coconut milk um, into my curry, and it's, you know, super tasty. But, you know, again, with just like silver, and we are talking about how broad-ranging the properties are with silver, here is another example of a substance that has very wide-ranging benefits, very powerful antioxidants, um, very strong in its anti-inflammatory properties. You know, there's been research on things, um, you know, looking at disease states such as Alzheimer's and other um, degenerative 
um, conditions showing that there are some benefits with the um, the curcumin that's in the turmeric. Um, Sherry, you know, Sherry, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna grab a cup of Joe. We'll take a break and uh, sure. let our advertisers uh, make some money for the station, and we'll be right back with Sherry Torkus, and we're talking about supplementing pharmaceuticals with herbal and natural remedies. I'm Dr. Bill, and this is Dr. Bill Radio MD. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Investigators in California are sorting through the background of a man they say burst into a synagogue outside of San Diego yesterday and started shooting. 100 people were inside, one died, three were wounded. 19-year-old John Ernest later surrendered to police. He could be charged with a hate crime in addition to homicide. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and top Senate Republican Mitch McConnell coming together to see if a deal can be made to stop billions of dollars in government spending cuts. Failure to reach an agreement would usher in cuts to the Pentagon and domestic programs of $125 billion next year. McConnell and Pelosi have been players in numerous bipartisan budget pacts before. And the deadly collapse of a crane in Seattle is bound to spark an investigation into the many cranes that stand over the city. Four people died yesterday. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, You give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-290-7100. That's 800-290-7100. 800-290-7100. So, along with everything else you have to do day-to-day running your business, you're trying to manage your digital marketing and social media. It's a lot of heavy lifting. 
How can you compete? You need some help from Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. We'll have mostly sunny skies today, the high 86. Clear skies tonight, the low 70. Mostly sunny and warm tomorrow and Tuesday. Tomorrow's high 90, Tuesday's high 90. Wednesday, partly sunny, remaining warm with a high of 89. Stay safe and out of severe weather with real-time alerts by AccuWeather. Download the AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. And they were saying how they missed the good old days before everything went uh, natural and organic when there were Dairy Queens and highways and uh, Walmarts and all that. So uh, apparently their statement was that it's a good idea, but uh, they sure do like the modern conveniences. And Sherry and I have been talking about that of mixing the old and the new. You still with me, girlfriend? I am. I'm here. All right. Uh, we were talking about uh, medieval cures, and we uh, I, th- I think I had read something about your uh, input or your ideas on the bubonic plague, which, of course, is fascinating to me. Right, yeah, so with the bubonic <clears throat> plague and some of the other um, infectious things that went through during the Middle Ages, we're talking about you know hundreds of thousands of people um, that were affected and and died because they didn't have well first of all they didn't know what they were actually fighting millions and, um, millions yeah. of people mil okay millions of people and they you know back then they didn't have the antibiotics that we have today they didn't have the hygiene standards that we have today but what was interesting is during the time of the plague and some of the other um, horrible infections that swept uh, across. Um, you know, the, the land, people that were um, spared in some regards were those that were uh, people that were able, had access to the silver products. So they were dining on the silverware, drinking out of the silver flasks, and they were disproportionately affected by the plague and some of the other infections because they were, they didn't know at the time, of course, but the fact that they were um, dining and using these silver products actually gave them a little bit of immune system support. So it wasn't a 100% safeguard, but, but looking back in time, they think that's why the, the wealthier were less affected by some of these infectious uh, things that spread through during those times. And that may be. Um, also, I think there was, uh, I, I, I think our sense of medieval and uh, Renaissance hygiene is probably a little bit skewed because, you know, even the Dark Ages, uh, and I hear the doctors at the uh, at the table say, well, the dark ages, nothing happened in Europe, which of course is not true. I mean, uh, wounds were healed. Doctors were making advances and, uh, and a lot of the surgical advances were actually made in the middle ages and then the Renaissance. So, but I, I do think that when we're talking about 
bubonic plague, and bubonic means the buboes, the lymph nodes that would uh, fester and they would eventually burst, that there probably was some uh, benefit to heavy metals like silver and, and topicals as well and, and uh, prevention. But if you're talking about pneumonic plague, which is pneumonia, uh, I don't yeah. think that there's nothing that yeah. you can, I mean, that that is... Even nowadays, uh, pneumonic plague would devastate uh, the population because by the time you get the disease, you're you're probably going to be dead, and the antibiotics are not going to help. You'd have to be on prophylactic antibiotics. But uh, you know, we still have bubonic plague in the United States. We have two or three cases a year in the Southwest. Um, yeah, I read that. I was I was surprised <clears throat> to hear about that. I mean, when I learned about the bubonic plague back in pharmacy school. You know, we learned about it as this, um, you know, very powerful bacteria, um, Yersinia pestis, I believe, that, um, you know, caused, you know, widespread havoc throughout those times because, they, you know, they didn't have any treatments for it. Now, uh, you know, of course, there are antibiotic concoctions that we can use to treat the plague. Um, thankfully, with modern medicine, things like doxycycline and gentamicin, streptomycin, some of the other ones can be used. They can, and uh, bu- bubonic bubo, the, the cutaneous, the skin infection, uh, so to speak, uh, can certainly be treated. Uh, even if you've had it for a day or two, we can we can give you antibiotics. But the pneumonic plague, boy, that's a tough one. That's mm. that's really, uh, and and that's what scares the infectious disease people is that if, if we ever had a, an outbreak of pneumonic pneumonia plague, that the the, the population would certainly be affected by it. And I think some of the, um, some of the weaponized uh, bacterias and viruses that were being talked about back at the turn of the century when we had 9-11, uh, that these, these were the problems is that if you got one of these diseases, by the time you got to a doctor, it may be too late. Right, and by the time they figure out what's <clears throat> actually happening too, you know, there can be a delay in, in you know, their assessment of the situation, you know, sometimes take, you know, 12, 24 hours or longer to figure out what's actually happening to somebody. And by then, as you mentioned, that the infection can spread to the point where it's, you know, beyond the point of treatment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to think that somebody could go to bed healthy uh, and then wake up and or not wake up in the morning and they're dead from the plague or even from uh, the uh, swine flu virus, and that was one of the problems in 1918, 1919, 1920, is that uh, people just didn't know, and there was widespread uh, dissemination of the virus because it was inhaled, uh, as the pneumonic plague would be, and that this this was so deadly. Uh, there was a story of a woman who got on the subway feeling well uptown, and she got off downtown in New York City. And well, she actually didn't get off. She was dead from influenza. And I think that that's one of the reasons that we're so concerned about the swine flu strain, which comes around every 20 or 30 years. But uh, certainly it, it, it is tough to treat um, some forms of the plague, but other forms uh, I think we can get to. And uh, you, you may have a good point. I really don't know enough about the use of silver in medieval medicine. I know they used uh, topicals and, and that apparently they had a really good heal rate with wounds and they had a lot of experience of course because of the crusades and the constant wars that were being fought on the continent. 
Yeah, well, when I was doing some research on this topic early on, um, I found that very interesting as well because, I, like I said, I had learned about the bubonic plague in pharmacy school, you know, as we were talking about infectious diseases. Um, and then when I was, you know, looking back, you know, at these medieval remedies and found out that, indeed, silver has been attributed to uh, preventing and protecting some people against developing the plague, um, you know, back in the medieval times. So it's, you know, fascinating. Now, once somebody had the plague, I don't think any amount of drinking out of a silver cup was going to do anything for them. No, but no. But with respect to keeping, the, um, keeping a certain amount of silver in their system for prevention, that's where, you know, we see the value. And, and even when we're talking about modern times, Right now, for using silver, um, if somebody had a respiratory infection, I would not say, you know, just start using lots of silver. You need to go to a doctor. You may need an antibiotic. I think it's strongest rule for using the colloidal silver and the, um, the bioactive silver hydrosol that we were talking about is really, you know, for prevention, for immune system support. It does have the antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties. And then for acute treatment, I am a fan of using the topical, um, the first aid gel, the silver first aid gel, which is really great, as I mentioned, for treating minor burns. So you need to burn on the hot stove if your partner's not cooking and you're the one doing the cooking and you get that burn, or curling iron burns, flat irons, um, if you have insect bites or it's great for acne and um, reducing inflammation, um, and I think it's also fantastic for helping to pre- prevent scarring after there has been a burn, because that's, of course, one of the biggest things that people experience after a burn. See, sometimes even mild burns, they can end up getting scarring on the tissue, so silver can help to protect against the scarring. Well, Sherry, can I use it on my face to look younger? That is one area I don't think it's been researched for, but, you know, we can look at some other strategies. There's certain (laughs) antioxidants that I recommend for for skin health, and I'm a big proponent of collagen and and using, uh, you know, sunscreen and protecting against, you know, free radical damage. So those are some of my techniques. Once I I hit 50, I became a lot more um, diligent about You don't look a day over 30, woman. (laughs) Well, thank you. But I I work at it. I like to try to take care of my skin. And so um, unlike when I was in my 20s when I would bask in the sun, now I put the sunscreen on. I wear the wide-brim hat. I take my antioxidant supplements, and I also take some, you know, omega-3s and collagen and a few other things to help uh, keep me youthful. Wait a minute. I didn't know you had sunshine up in Canada. Oh, (laughs) I thought it was frozen tundra most of the year. No, no? well, because I live in southern Ontario. Oh, okay, I got you. So you get some of the American sunshine coming over the border. That's right. We get it. We get a little bit across the border. There's no wall with the sunshine. It comes across. <laughs> comes across. It's 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 non-discriminatory. Well, that's a good that's thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and we love the sun. And where I live, we get the fullest of the four seasons. So we have a beautiful summer, June, July, August, and then we get a nice fall. Winter, spring, it's all here. So I got to tell you, we were I, I, we go up to Toronto every uh, fall to schmooze with the travel insurance companies and see friends, and because we do a lot of business with the Canadians down here, we we uh, mm. advertise for our Can Care Clinic, and uh, the Canadians love us. They get a lot of care, and they get it in one place. But I'm going across the border at uh, Niagara Falls and going into. Niagara Falls, Canada, and the border guard says to me, the Canadian, he says, uh, what brings you to Canada? And it's fall, it's 
40 degrees. It's raining. I said, oh, the beautiful weather. <laughs> he just started <laughs> laughing, but it got me across the border without a lot of trouble. At any rate, let me ask yeah. you this. Is there any, uh, do we need to be concerned about taking any specific uh, herbs or herbal treatments that would interfere with medications that we're taking, like people that are on blood thinners, like they're on Coumadin or Warfarin? Is there anything that we need to be careful about taking and uh, perhaps avoid because of the inter- interactions? Absolutely. Um <laughs> When it comes to um, people that are taking medications, whether it's blood thinners or if you're taking medications for blood pressure or cholesterol, um, if you're undergoing any kind of cancer treatments, you know, I always tell my patients, um, make sure you check with us before you start self-treating because there are um, a number of things that can interact. Sometimes there are negative interactions. For example, there are a lot of different supplements that can cause thinning of the blood. So if you're already on a blood thinner, that can potentiate and increase that effect. So that can be problematic. Um, And in some cases, there are natural products that can bind to a drug and make it less effective. Um, Antibiotics come to mind. There are certain antibiotics that if you take them with um, minerals, such as your calcium or magnesium, around the same time, dose them at the same time, it can reduce the efficacy of the antibiotics. You'd want to separate it by several hours. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, there's literally thousands of possible interactions, and that's why anybody who's taking prescription drugs should always check with their pharmacist because that's what we're there for. We're there to give you advice on, on yeah. how to properly take natural products and drugs. And, you know, sometimes there can be a positive interaction where, say, you're on a uh, prescription drug that's causing a side effect, such as you're on a statin and you're getting muscle weakness in a lot of cases that, you know, could be related to uh, a deficiency of coenzyme Q10 and supplementing with Q10 can help to take care of that side effect so that you can continue on with your statin medication. Um, for women that take antibiotics and they get yeast infections or um, have, or even men too, they get digestive distress, diarrhea. We know that there are certain probiotics that can actually, they actually have um, been studied to treat antibiotic-associated diarrhea. So you have to dose them at separate times, but they can be very effective so that you're allowed to, you know, able to continue taking that antibiotic, treat the diarrhea, um, and, and keep your, your gut microflora happy. You know, Sherry, I got to tell you this, and I'm not to step on your, uh, on your, your, not to rain on your parade, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, chairman of pharmacy and therapeutics at the hospital. And we actually took the probiotics off the pharmacy uh, list because uh, the latest research shows that it doesn't really do the, do what we thought it did. But I don't know if that is definitive research. I haven't looked at it myself. However, well, I think... When, when it comes to antibiotic-associated diarrhea, no, there, there is good evidence for using, but only certain types of probiotics have been studied and found to be effective um, for treating antibiotic-associated diarrhea, but I would agree that some cases probiotics are um, promoted to do a a wide range of things that they, you know, actually haven't been found to do. Yeah, so when you're looking for a probiotic, you definitely want to make sure um, the ones that have been studied for antibiotic-associated diarrhea are, are lactobacillus raminosis, based probiotics, and also um, Saccharomyces um, boulardii probiotics, mm-hmm. they've also been studied and found to be effective. Okay, so now, 
But let's talk about St. John's wort and how it can interact with uh, medications. I understand that St. John's wort does affect one of the enzymatic pathways in the liver and can change the uh, activity levels of some of the prescription medications. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, I don't recommend St. John's wort a whole lot anymore, you know, because we've just found over the last, say, 20 years that it does um, cause a lot of drug interactions. So St. John's Ward, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's been used um, to help with depression. It's kind of a natural mood elevator. Um, but work. it does Right. The evidence <laughs> on how work, effective but... <laughs> it is, is, is yeah, you know, for mild, mild depression, you know, there was some evidence, not for more moderate to severe depression. But the bigger issue is that it can interact with a lot of medications due to its effect on different liver enzyme systems. And the list of inter- interactions is um, very long. It can literally interact with hundreds of medications. So um, some of the more important ones would be things like um, your, your warfarin, your coumadin, your blood thinner, digoxin, that's another one. Um, that it can interact with. It can interact with birth control pills, um, medications that we use to treat HIV, um, and a whole lot of things. So I'm not a proponent of using St. John's wort because I think there are better things that we can do to help um, with treating depression. All right, now let's move on. Now, uh, I have patients that come in and they're taking vitamin E or big doses of garlic, and they're also on an aspirin or a blood thinner. And and, uh, I think that uh, there are some of these uh, over-the-counter products like garlic extracts and vitamin E pills that can uh, cause uh, blood thinning or uh, cause you to be more more susceptible to bleeding like aspirin, like the effect aspirin has. So... I think That's we need right. to vitamin talk e, about that. Yeah, vitamin E for <clears> sure. Um, and there's different forms of vitamin E, but um, just your general vitamin E can interact with blood thinners. Also, uh, ginkgo biloba, which is an herb people take for um, memory, that can have a blood thinning effect. Uh, omega-3s were thought to have a, a, a blood thinning effect, but when I took a look at some of that evidence, it's really only at super high dosages. So as you're getting, you know, over 5,000 milligrams a day um, when, when you're taking um, fish oil or omega-3, then it can be more problematic. But at, um, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 um, milligrams, not such a big issue. Um, garlic, there are some garlic forms um, that can interact. Some of it's dose-related, um, so you have to watch out for that. But generally speaking, the antioxidant products, um, they can have some blood thinning effects. So you, again, would want to check on that before you're, you're combining any natural okay. products with your medicines. All right. Green tea and uh, pseudoephedrine. Green tea, of course, has, uh, has uh, methylxanthines, caffeine in it. So uh, that's another thing that if you're taking a decongestant, watch out how much green tea or any tea you take for that matter. Now, what about golden right. seal? And- and, and pseudoephedrine as well, there's a good reason yeah. why we kind of keep it behind the counter because pseudoephedrine is also a big problem for anybody that has um, blood pressure issues. Also, we don't recommend it if you have glaucoma, prostate disease, or if you have problems sleeping at night, um, insomnia. It'll or just keep difficulty. you up. Yep. Yeah, it'll keep you up. Keep that heart racing and not a good thing. Okay, quickly, golden seal. We got one minute. You got 30 oh, okay. seconds. Okay, so Golden Seal is used, um, I mean, not one of my top-line recommended products, but people will take it for immune system support. 
um, to help fight infections, but I would say there are a lot of other things out there that have better evidence behind them, so that's not something that I use regularly. Good deal. All right, so here's the bottom line, I think, is that there are certainly uh, over-the-counter supplements that are perhaps effective, and we're seeing more uh, investigation into that, and Sherry's doing a wonderful job of of working with these. Uh, so the bottom line is, is let's, let's be judicious in our use of these medications. And uh, Sherry, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate yeah. you. And I got to get out of here. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Love you guys. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 